Welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudharman and joining me on the podcast today, two people who are sheltering from the coronavirus, Darren Burns and Toby Derman. Darren, first of all, how are you? I'm a bit coroned out, I must say. Pretty depressing being locked up at home for the last couple of weeks, but um, we're getting through it. We're being strong, pulling together, and hopefully it passes pretty soon. Glad to hear. And Toby, how, how does the coronavirus find you these days? Pretty good. We're hoarding masks and toilet paper. No, just a joke. Yeah, none of that. But it's, it is getting out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's illegal. Toby. You should see my other room. I can't get in it because there's just stacks of toilet roll. So this is, you know, this is where it's at now. We've been asking everyone to send us masks and, and sanitizer, and we've got like a whole storeroom now. So we're giving it away. Oh, okay. That's good. For below cost. Below cost. Below cost, but, but not for free. So we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. Holding groups these days, you know. This is a private stash. Ah, okay. The good news is no, it doesn't seem like any um, cricket tournaments have been postponed or, or cancelled yet, uh, unless I'm mistaken. Because normally we have very big tournaments in China <laughs> and Singapore and Hong Kong. Well, we have the, well, the, all the tournaments that you play in, Darren. They're, they're, <laughs> I mean, they're quite big. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's not many countries from this region, but of course, the women's T20 does have a team from Thailand taking part, which we can talk about later on. And, you know, there is a, a reasonable presence in terms of Australia and India, which are both countries that are, are somewhat affected by the coronavirus, if not if not directly impacted. But anyway, we have a lot of stuff to get through because it has been like five weeks since our last podcast or something crazy like that. We have ongoing series between India and New Zealand to break down. We have Australia returning to the scene um, of their their uh, biggest ever cricket disaster and the rest of the cricket world's uh, one of their most favourite occasions uh, in Newlands. Uh, we have the England win over South Africa and South Africa's cricket crisis to examine. Uh, women's T20, the under-19 World Cup fracas, <clears throat> and more. So let's get into it. So where should we start, gentlemen? I think South Africa and England. Let's do it. Toby Doman, it was South Africa winning the first test. Uh, it looked like the continuation of England's poor test form, but... Instead, England roared back to take the series uh, in the process, I think, really kind of consolidating this this idea that South African cricket is, is in crisis. Tell us how it played out. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a really good series, actually, in the end. I think England started quite poorly and, and some bright spots in the batting. I think uh, Don Sibley and Zach Crawley are probably fines. I think Rory Burns won't be playing football ever again on the outfield. A couple of learnings from that. They're going to have to ban football forever now, I feel. What about Oli Pope? Yeah, another good So further down the order, I think he looks, he looks like he should be set for a, a, a really good England career. And he's such a young lad at 22. So some really good finds for England. I think the Port Elizabeth game was probably the turning point um, in the series. And so lots of folks finding form at about the right time. And actually, Chris Silverwood was genuinely lucky, really, to be able to play Archer and Wood in the same in the same match, which I, I doubt will happen again 
very often, um, given the criticism. Archer seems to be permanently injured now as well, doesn't he? Seems to have been overbold, perhaps. We haven't probably haven't got enough time on the podcast, but yeah, there's there's so many little sub subplots about how you know Johnny Bairstow's been treated, Moen Ali's been treated, Joffre Archer's been managed. So there's some there's some sort of dark spots as well. But overall, I think England have to be have to be pleased with the sort of the test result there. Um, we'll get to South Africa in a sec, but the 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 action has moved to the T20 format and, and England have also come out on top there in the short form. That's the pre-T20 World Cup, which happens in Australia later in the year, kind of warm-up. Um, and there's a really uh, exciting game uh, in Pretoria this week at the Supersport Park. And Owen Morgan just has the Midas touch when it comes to T20. Um, really hit a, hit a lovely innings just to, to boost that England uh, response. And I think one of the... I think one of the things from looking at the, the South African game across all this, I think, you know, we have a, a new captain and Quinton de Kock who batted very well in that T20 match against uh, England. Him and uh, Temba Bavuma had a really big opening partnership and it looked quite a challenging total for England actually. But Morgan, I think, only faced 22 balls, but he walloped 42 off the final seven balls, which says a lot. So, I mean, yeah, he's a fantastic captain going into that World Cup. So it's exciting times for England. Um, it's sad times for South Africa. They're clearly a team in transition with Francois Duplessis standing down from all formats as captain, not retiring, but standing down as captain. So the, the, the page is turning on South African cricket right now. Yeah, some big question marks, I think, for South Africa. I suppose the question for them really is whether this is transition or decline because it's difficult to see where a revival is going to come from the more you you kind of look into what's going on in South African cricket. Just so we all kind of remember, between 2006 and 2015, the South African team did not lose a test series abroad. Uh, And I think we'd all agree they were probably the best test team in the world um, for a large part of that decade. Since then, things have really changed. You know, obviously the transformation targets have got stricter. The Colpac exodus has accelerated. There are now 33 players, I think, in English cricket who are there, who are South Africans who are playing on a Colpac. Many of them, well, in particular, you know, there's there's at least three of them who I think would walk into the South African team today: Kyle Abbott, Riley Rousseau, and Simon Harmer. There's several players who have left uh, at the tail end of their career. So Morni Morkel, uh, obviously Hashim Amla, who just retired, Vernon Philander, who's just retired, Dane Villas, Heino Kuhn. Now, these are not players who would be in the team necessarily, but their loss is a big one to South African cricket because you lose their experience, you lose their coaching ability, you lose their mentorship. And the one thing we do know about South African cricket is there really is a dearth of leadership. Cricket South Africa is in is truly in a huge amount of crisis. There's a financial crisis, they've lost sponsors, there's a governance crisis, there's been the resignations of several board directors, there's a media crisis, they've tried to revoke the accreditation of South African cricketing journalists, there is a proposed restructure but the uh, South African cricket players don't want to negotiate this with the Cricket South Africa board as it's currently constituted. So I don't know, I find it difficult um, to have a lot of positivity about South African cricket at the moment, so I'm going to come to you, Darren, and maybe you can uh, you can inject. I was just about to jump in, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, some optimism. Half glass empty. You look at South African cricket. What I was really impressed with was Quinton Cock basically led that he was a top run scorer in all the formats. 
except for T20. He was just pipped by Owen Morgan. So he's really accepted the leadership role very strongly. And as we know, he's taken over all three formats. So that's, that's a real positive for South Africa, I think. I think Faf's done his dash. I think he might be around the team for a while, but I don't expect that he'll last much longer. Um, his form is probably not where it should be either. And Longy and Giddy, he came back into the, uh, the white ball format and looked really good with uh, in the 50-over format and with the T20s. In T20s, he was the leading wicket taker by quite a long way and bowled some good spells. So I think there's some young players coming through, and I, I think the next leadership team will step up. But surely, yeah, they're not the same team they were, as you mentioned earlier, in that sort of halcyon period up to 2015. But Let's see. It's good for the game if they're back. It's in very, it. very telling, actually. I was just looking at some of his uh, some Faf du Plessis uh, statement uh, on him standing down this week. He just said there's a little quote here: "The last season of my captaincy has been the most challenging to date, as I had a lot of off-field issues that I devoted my energy towards." Which tells a story if he's not really focusing fully on field and he's got an awful lot of stuff going on behind the scenes to keep the show on the road. I just worry that if he if he hangs around like Ricky Ponting, you know, Ricky Ponting gave the captaincy up to Michael Clark, and he kind of hung around for a couple of years. I'm not sure that was necessary. Um, and it creates a bit of a pull in the team because, you know, Alf, Faf is an alpha male, right? He's a real alpha leader. So him sort of stepping in the back seat, we'll see how that goes. But I might keep him around just for a bit of, you know, a steady hand there. I think he's been a very good captain, actually, for, for South Africa, uh, especially in the test format. I mean, Darren, you'd, you'd remember his performances in Australia in particular. Of course. Stood out. It did sound like he was pushed. As you mentioned, he would have preferred to have to have stayed till the end of the, the season. Graham Smith said he had a robust discussion with Faf about his future. Um, not, not sure I'd enjoy a robust discussion with Graham Smith. Over a nice bottle of red, a robust red, red wine. Yeah, perhaps. So I met one, one other cold pack I should have mentioned, of course, Duane Olivier, who's also out of the team. I think the South African bowling is in better shape, as, as you'd expect, because, you know, they still do have uh, Rabada, Felicuayo, Gidi. And Shamsi was good. He was impressive in this um, white ball format. Correct. And, and Maharaj, I think, is, is a decent bowler. D- Dale Stain, by the way, was still bowling at 90 plus miles an hour. I was watching some of the highlights. He's still at 36, possibly at 36 years old, still rapid. So, I mean, I know he's not the future, but he's going to do a job, right, as, a, as an experienced pro. Yeah. But perhaps the question marks are around the batting. And in particular, why is it that still, I mean, what are we now, 25 years it's been, and, and, and still South Africa has only produced one black African top order batsman in Temba Bavuma. He played really well, right? He did. He, he looked great. But, you know, it's not enough. It's clear it's not enough. And the transformation targets, you know, seem to be non-negotiable. So I think, you know, there's, a, there's just a lot of challenges there for, for South African cricket. And it is, it is a real shame. So let's move on, I guess, from there to New Zealand, where... Just had a, a really strange series so far. Strange tour, really, wasn't it? Strange tour. Indian cricket in crisis, actually, because I think in one week they lost, they were whitewashed in the one day as by, by New Zealand uh, 5-0. The women's team lost the triangular T20 uh, series final to Australia, um, including a collapse of seven, uh, 29 for 7. And of course, the under-19 team lost to Bangladesh in the finals. So that might well be the worst uh, week for Indian cricket in a, in a long, long time. In terms of, of the men's team against New Zealand, uh, yeah, very strange because they lost the one day as... 3-0. Sorry, 3-0, not 5-0. They won the T20s 5-0, right? Which they could have lost 3-2. There were some very close games, super exciting games. Very there. close. Two super overs. 
yeah. Two su- oh, that was tough man, for New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, These super overs, they're really, they're really, yeah, not much luck. And I, I was, you know, actually kind of glad New Zealand came back in the one day, as despite missing Kane Williamson, played really well, just demonstrated how uh, New Zealand are a very good one-day team. Of course, at this point in the year, the T20s are, are, are more important because we have a T20 World Cup Yeah. in, what is it, October? November. November. Yeah, October, end of October, November, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, India will be happy with their performance. And in particular, they seem to have to found some solutions to some long-running problems. First of all, Shreyas Ayer has emerged as a kind of a, as, as their kind of number four, number five, had a very good series in the T20s and the one-dayers. And also the emergence of KL Rahul as the answer to all of India's problems. That's right. <laughs> no matter where he bats, <laughs> he can captain, he can open the batting, he can keep. He can keep wickets, most importantly. Uh, I mean, and kept very well. I was watching him keep wickets and I was like... Much better than Pant. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's a, a tough one to say, but he looked like a better keeper than Pant. Now, I don't know, but I hear that keeping in New Zealand is easier than keeping in in uh, England and, and India. But I don't know. Rahul looked really good. He's in really good touch. It's a shame he's not in the test team. Um, did, you, did you hear that from your, your Kiwi sources? <laughs> no, actually, I didn't. I, I, just I think made it I, up. I, yeah, I think I just did just make it up. Yeah, I just heard it from from sources. Right, okay, sources. Just, yeah, just m- multiple independent sources. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, an interesting kind of turnaround. Uh, I got a few players here just in terms of winners and losers. So uh, obviously, we mentioned Shreyas Ayer, KL Rahul, both did very well. Ross Taylor, excellent uh, one day series for him. I think he, he did. He plays one hundredth. Was it his? He completed a centenary of of was it one day? T twenties, right? I think he's done more than that, more than a hundred ODIs. Must be Martin Guptill had a very good series. I thought. Guppy, the Guppy. Um, Kyle Jameson was player of the series. Bowled really well. Uh, impressed with him. They got an old warhorse back in Hamish Bennett, who um, he actually bowled quite well. I thought. A bit hot and cold. I think he went for quite a few in one match, and then he took four for sixty four in another. So. But, you know, it's always good, I think, when New Zealand has a player named Hamish in the team. It always yeah. feels like... Home. It feels like home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like Mitchell in Australia. Kane is good as well. I like a Kane. Yeah, I like a Kane. Kane. Yuzvendra Chahal, I think, did pretty well. Yeah, he looked good. He looked good. Prithvi Shaw got starts, didn't convert, but really looked good when he was, when he was batting. You know, some of his, his stroke play. Um, and then players that didn't do so well, um, our favourite, Shardul Thakur. I thought he looked, he's, he's really hot and cold, that guy. He really I is, think he, yeah. he looks like a million bucks one day and the next day he looks like a jalopy. <laughs> it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to say which one you're going to get, right? It looks like a jalopy with like a broken down exhaust. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, really, re- I really agree with you on that. I mean, he, he did well in the T20s. In the one day as though, I think he had the worst... Was it the worst ever economy rate for an Indian bowler in a in a one day series? Probably. And his average was fifty seven. So that's kind of a, a, a series to forget for him. Mayank Agarwal, uh, was it eleven innings? Didn't cross fifty once, but has batted much better in the tour match, which precedes the Test series. Quite important, I think, for him to do well because he's been he's kind of become a. Uh, sort of mainstay at the top of the order for India. And then Navdeep Saini, I don't know what you thought of him, Darren. I'm not entirely convinced. I th- again, I, I thought he was, a, he, he's a bit green around the gills and he, there was a couple of overs here and there you thought this guy's got something. So I think India have 
done pretty well with persisting with some of the players. I think Shreyas Iyer is a great example. They've kind of persisted with him for a couple of years, even though he hasn't set the world on fire. So it's not bad if they blood some of these guys and give him a chance. Um, I didn't think he was too bad. He's worth looking at, I reckon. Yeah, and are you concerned at all about Jasper Bumrah? There's some talk that, you know, I thought he bowled really well in the T20s and then he didn't seem to look that good in the one-dayers and some people were wondering. He just looked a bit off to me in the one-dayers. I, I saw a couple of the games. He, he just didn't look like he was totally fit. And those those grounds in New Zealand are tiny. Like, they're embarrassing. Like, Eden, Eden Park, it's, it's, it's like 40 metres on each side. That's, that's a, you know, that's a club cricketer's under 12 ground. It's, it's embarrassing. You know, they just shanked the ball, mishit it, top edges, and they're all sixes. I think it's a ridiculous ground to play cricket on. Okay, well, we'll ensure our New Zealand listeners are, are fully informed. <laughs> That's my rant. Fully informed of your opinions. Perhaps you'd like New Zealand to play all their matches on, on Australia's much bigger grounds. That would, no, I think we should play know. all our matches in New Zealand. We've got all these flat track bullies. Excellent. And then in terms of uh, New Zealand, I didn't think there were any real losers for them. Certainly not from the one days where they all kind of turned up. T20s, weirdly, the only players that didn't really deliver for, for New Zealand, I thought, were um, Colin de Grandom, didn't do a lot, and, and Mitchell Santner, actually. But um, no, no real concerns, I don't think, for them about them in the long term. You just don't like de, de Grandom, do you? He did okay in a few, few of them. Oh, you leave the big man alone, He please. played his role. He's cult hero. His role appears to be not doing a lot, if that's his role. I mean, his... Yeah, you do, please. CDG. <laughs> the Duke's ball. I like, I like CDG, but the numbers don't lie. I mean, I think he bowled two overs, something like that, in the uh, in the T20s, and he scored about 15 runs or something like that. But anyway, never mind. Two test matches coming up. Basin Reserve in Wellington, uh, one of your favourite grounds, Darren. Expansive. Followed by Christchurch, Hagley Oval, another another very large ground. It'll be interesting to see the selections. I think New Zealand's selection looks, looks pretty straightforward. With Kane Williamson back. Is he back? Am I correct in saying he's back? I think so. Yeah. Big question for India is whether they play Rishabh Pant or bring back Rhythm and Saha. And uh, we'll see. Pant, they both played well in the, in the, uh, the warm-up game. And there's some suggestions they'll play punt because they, they want his explosive batting. Well, also, it's apparently easy to keep in New Zealand, so that should be... Uh... <laughs> Who knew it was easy to keep in New Zealand? Okay, so that's that's India, New Zealand. I think India are going to really... Uh, they need to kind of step up, I think, a little bit if they want to win this I think they might struggle, test actually. series. I think so, too. And, and, you know, this is a World Test Championship series, so they need to... They need the points... Uh, I think they will struggle a bit. I think some of their key players are not in the best of form. Virat Kohli is not firing on all cylinders. Neither is Jasprit Bumrah, uh, Mayank Agarwal. Uh, Pujara's looked good, which is the good news. They kind of just need their big guns to deliver, really. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Darren, tell us about Australia's emotional return to Newlands. They're going to go back older and wiser and maybe with fewer tears. Well, according to Finchie, there's going to be no issues and, you know, they've, they've been through it all during the English summer. But I, I think the crowds in South Africa are somewhat more hostile than the ones we find in England, even the ones at the Oval or Manchester. So let's see how they do. Um, they're both in pretty good nick, I must say, Smith and Warner, so that's good for them. Controversially, David Warner was awarded the A.B. Allen Border Medal last week, which people thought was crazy given his uh, Ashes debacle against Stuart Broad. I think he was beaten by one point. Steve Smith was second. 
shouldn't Manus Labus Cachne, or however you say it, Labuschain, <laughs> shouldn't he have won it? I think Labuschain started a bit late in the year. I think it was really after the Ashes. So he missed the whole first half. He wasn't playing much for the team then, I think. That's why. But he was close. Labuschain's won the real prize, yeah, as we know. He's won hearts. He's winning hearts and minds all around he the world. He has won the real prize. He has been named by Sachin Tendulkar as the batsman that most reminds him of him. That's right. <laughs> I mean, do you guys do this? Do you ever like sit down and think, who's the podcaster that most reminds me of me? <laughs> no? I don't know. You, obviously you do. So who's, is it, who's is it only me? No? So okay. who's yours? <laughs> Greg James. <laughs> <laughs> Not Jimmy Anderson. Let me just say that. Felix White. Yeah. So David Warner is going back to Newlands. Um, I mean, do you expect, uh, you expect a rough ride for them, but... I expect Australia to win both series. They'll definitely be a rough ride. And, you know, Quinton Cox, a world-class ledger as well, right? So he's captaining the team. So let's see how it goes. I, I expect him to cop a lot of shit and a lot of flack from some of those overzealous crowd members at the ground. But let's see. I think it should be a great series. Let's hope that there's good crowds. There was a good crowd against, for the England game, wasn't there? Some very good crowds. Well, talking about the, the partisan nature of these crowds, I mean, you saw when Ben Stokes got into a, a, a bit of an ugly fracas with someone. So no doubt that will happen again with the Aussies. He did. Oh, yeah. And what did he threaten to do? Take yeah, you outside? Yeah, I think there's some X-rated language, but take, see, you in the, see you in the car park for another, another punch-up. Classy. Yeah, I know. I mean, I have some sympathy for players, though. I think they really do cop a, a lot at some of these grounds. I think he called him Ed Sheeran. He called him Ed Sheeran. That's why he was upset. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. I mean, look, that is beyond the pale. That is, you know, that's, I think that everyone's got their limits, right? Yeah, below I mean, the belt. That's just, yeah, that really is. That's yeah, a step too far. A brave man too, given what we know of Ben Stokes. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I, think I would, I would, I would not be uh, taking shots at Ben Stokes in a public <laughs> forum anytime soon. So I think Australia's bowling stocks look pretty good. You've got Pat Cummins, um, Jai Richardson, Stark, of course, Kane Richardson, and Sean Abbott, who's, who's been setting the world on fire with his white ball form. So I, I expect them to do really well. And I think, of course, Zampa would be the bowling option. Uh, and I think their top order is quite set. So I, I think they should go well. If they, don't, if they lose, it'll be quite surprising, I'd say. Yeah, so you know when Don Bradman... They were always asking him this question, which batsman most reminds you of you? Right, and what did he say? As I recall, he actually, and it was to the disappointment, as I recall, of many Australians, he said, it's this this young bloke in India, Sachin Tendulkar. And this was like in 93 or something like that. And I think people people were not best pleased. They wanted him to say, you know, Mark War or... Jamie Cox or one of these other Jamie like, Cox that was random. leading lights yeah <laughs> well, Jamie Cox he was like he was killing it in the early 90s Darren you know he was in your in your heyday Greg Blewett legends you know D- Darren Lehman legends from the from the Australian 90s he just had a triple bypass by the way Darren Lehman and he's apparently okay yeah yeah I saw that yeah poor guy I'm not sure I see the Tendul Kalabashane comparisons but yeah I'm not convinced they do look maybe they just love batting and like buffets is Labuschagne a regular? I don't think he's much of a buffet man. He likes buffet bowling, though. He does like buffet bowling. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Okay. Under-19 World Cup final. Gentlemen, shameful scenes. I like Kapil Dev's quote. They Was he crying? No right to fight. That's what Kapil <laughs> Dev said. Kapil Dev is, is the kind of guy to whom tears come very easily. I could, I could, I could just imagine I him. Yeah, you remember that, right? When he cried, he would have been very disappointed. Yeah, actually, 
quite disappointing scenes on the field. Uh, big, big victory for Bangladesh in the Under-19 World Cup final. They thoroughly deserved to win the match. They deserved to win the tournament. They looked really good. Some of their players really hope they they kick on and turn into full internationals for Bangladesh. Um, but at the same time, you kind of hope that their behavior improves as well. And that goes, you know, for the Indian team as well. It was a match that had a lot of needle. Um, not entirely sure why. A lot of needle. So I watched it, yeah. Yeah, you, you probably saw when, you know, the first innings, Bangladesh were bowling, a lot of verbals. Just really unnecessary. And then I think that spilled over to when India were bowling. They yeah. kind of behaved in the same way. Um, Bangladesh hit the winning runs. Uh, there's a pitch invasion by some of the Bangladesh support staff. Uh, and then there's some pushing and shoving with it was the Indian players. Wasn't it? it wasn't like a, you know, if you, like, like me, you spend a lot of time oh, watching yeah. YouTube videos of Argentinian league, lower league football fights. It was way off that, but it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's unseemly for cricket. It was a lot of uh, hold me back type yeah. of thing. I'll do yeah. it again. Don't say it again. <laughs> Don't say it again. <laughs> say it again. I think what bothers me about it is this whole send-off issue. You know, the umpires are there. They hear everything. And if they say they don't hear anything, that's bullshit, right? They hear what's being said. Send-offs are not cool because once you get out as a batsman, you can't do anything. So you're out. They got you out. You can't do it. During, during, when you're still batting, okay, fair enough. A few verbals here and there. But the whole send-off running up to people's faces and that kind of stuff, I think it's just crazy. Yeah, look, the other thing we should probably point out here is Bangladesh's senior team, their behavior has not been the best either. You know, you saw that whole thing in Sri Lanka with the Nagin. In the Asia Cup, right? Asia Cup, the Nagin dance. Uh, I was a bit, dis- I was actually a little bit disappointed <laughs> that the under 19 did not break out the Nagin dance, but they didn't. And then, of course, there was like doors being smashed in Sri Lanka and so on. So, uh, so some some questions about role modeling there. Anyway, five players were uh, found guilty of bringing the game into disrepute. Three from Bangladesh, two from India, handed suspension points. It was interesting, the the comments after the match. The Bangladesh captain, I think it was, apologized for the unfortunate incident, while the Indian captain basically blamed Bangladesh. So there you go. Not sure what you can read into that. Anyway, all players accepted their sanctions And yeah, we move on to the T20 Women's World Cup. There are, if I'm not mistaken, 10 teams. That's correct, 10 teams. Okay, good. You got that right. So good. I got that right. Australia are the favourites. They have won four of the six Women's T20 World Cups. Uh, England and West Indies have won one each. And this tournament is taking place in Australia. Darren, do they? which grounds do they use? I'm always curious about this. They're using the, the major grounds. But I think what's going to be exciting for this is the final is going to be at the MCG. And it's going to be on International Women's Day on March the 8th. And they're going to try and break the record for the biggest gathering to watch any, any sporting match, which was previously China versus the USA uh, in football in 1999. There was 90,185 so there's a, big, there's a big movement on now to try and break that record. But I guess the first thing is Australia needs to make the final. Uh, otherwise, that won't happen. So Australia is in the same group as India and New Zealand. So hopefully they go through. Uh, and England sort of leads the other group. But it looks like, you know, it could, should be sort of an Australia-England final, you'd think. Maybe India. Yeah, India and England are quite similar in terms of odds. 
actually. Oh, Indian team is really hot blows. It's really inconsistent, but they've got these the big hitters, Smriti Mandana, Hamanpreet Kaur, who's in terrible form. And this young 16-year-old, Shafali Verma, who um, is, a, is a really big hitter as well. Uh, and they've also got Jemima Rodriguez, who's a, who's a very good a batter. Difficult to look past Australia, though, I'd suggest. Yeah, they didn't have a very good time of it. There's, there's been a lead-up tournament, you know, tri-nations between England, India and Australia. They didn't look that great, but they got through. A couple of their real, their real key players are not in form. Alyssa Healy, Elise Perry not doing that well. So hopefully they come, come right during the... Uh, during the, the tournament. But there's a lot of pressure on them to do this, this whole record-breaking MCG. Katy Perry is going to open or is going to play during that, which is quite amazing. So basically, it's a Katy Perry concert. <laughs> she a big cricket fan, Katy Perry. Katy Perry's been named the British Asian ambassador as well. Has she? Yeah. Maybe yeah, she she's like been named, yeah, by, um, by Prince Charles. There you go. Which, which means, so she's both playing a cricket match and she's the British Asian ambassador. There you go. That's good. That makes sense. I can't really think of two things she's less well suited for. <laughs> That's a lot of responsibility. I mean, Quentin de Kock's got three formats and the captaincy, you know, poor old Katie. Yeah. There's a lot of responsibility there. Yeah, a lot of responsibility for the firework. One of the other things I think is really cool that the um, Cricket Australia is doing, they're actually divvying up the ticket sales to local clubs around Australia and for every, every ticket they sell to one of the games, they get $5 that goes to their club. So some of the smaller clubs, you know, the sort of amateur clubs are raising thousands of dollars through this. I think it's quite a, quite a cool way to get the grassroots involvement going. Yeah. The other two teams we should mention, really, obviously, England, obviously, are, are you know, very good team. will be there or thereabouts. And New Zealand have, by some accounts, that the best batsman, best batter, sorry, in the tournament in Susie Bates, who's... Um, actually tipped to be the leading run scorer. So, you know, maybe worth a, a little outside bet, New Zealand, the dark horses as always. And just a quick word on the uh, on the feel-good story from the uh, the Women's T20 World Cup, and that would be Thailand. Thailand. Yeah, the uh, the first team from Southeast Asia to qualify for... Uh, for, for do you know what their, mo- their motto is during the World Cup? I do not. It's just to go out there and have fun. Okay. That's good. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. They won the qualifier. You know, they've beaten Ireland and Scotland in, in recently. They did lose to Bangladesh. They've winning a lot of fans with their social media presence as well. I've seen they're in Australia. They're taking pictures with koalas. Yeah, it's quite a, a big accomplishment for this team. This is, as, as we all know, it's not a country with a huge cricketing history. So, you know, let's just hope they, they, they have fun and win more fans. Absolutely. Just one thing on women's cricket. I was reading an article that it talked about how the scoring rate disparities have actually disappeared, especially for the Australian teams. The women used to score at a much lower rate per over than the men, and it's almost come to, to, to parity now, scoring a sort of seven and a half, eight and over. So I think it's, the quality is great. Um, if anyone who listens hasn't watched women's cricket, I suggest you watch it. Uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. I totally agree. I think the matches are quite exciting. Yeah, I mean, that tri-series final... That India lost, that collapse of 29 for seven. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah, very compelling cricket. So yes, definitely worth watching. And I think always worth watching just to see if if India will implode. There's still a lot of politics around this Indian women's team. The former Indian women's captain, Diana Edulji, has just come out and said that uh, Harmanpreet Kaur and Jemima Rodriguez should pull up their socks and has questioned their psyche. 
on the on the eve of the tournament. So we love a cohesive unit. In fact, what she said was, "They are so lazy that they never try for a second. <laughs> which, wow, yeah, which is tell us what you really think. Mm, bit harsh, bit harsh, very harsh. Anyway, the other the other interesting thing about the Indian team is they've only got one pace bowler, which could backfire. One pace bowler. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Correct. That could backfire in Australia, I think. It uh, could do, yeah. They've got a lot of a lot of spinners in their team. Who knows? Who knows? I guess uh, I guess they're playing to their strengths on this one. All right. So if that's that, shall we move on to final business? Sure. Let's do it. Okay, Toby. Do you want to tell us about some some kind of I would say elite level muppetry from the US cricket team? Yeah, I enjoyed this. So I think there's, um, I, I didn't really know much about US cricket, I have to say. There's, there's a lot to know, apparently. But now I'm in the picture. So I think there's a slightly uh, sort of unseemly uh, incident involving the US captain. And I think it's his vice captain, is that correct? Yep. Uh, currently on a sort of warm up tour in the UAE. Uh, obviously not known as a hotbed of drinking, but they somehow managed to find uh, some booze. And I think the two of them, in particular Stephen Taylor, who is vice-captain, showed up at a team meeting a little bit squiffy, as they might say in England, um, and ended up having a confrontation with the head coach. And I think uh, ended up getting fairly admonished for having a big night out. But I think it, it turns out after that team meeting, they went straight back to the hotel bar to carry on their session. But the, my, my favourite sort of footnote to this story is that I think Taylor, the day after when they actually played the match, managed to hit half century. Oh, well done. Yes. In the match. So it just shows you it's proper village cricket, isn't it? So, you know, good for, good, good for them. Yeah, Taylor was described by James Pamant, who's the head coach. He was described as more than half pissed <laughs> at the team meeting, which is... Uh, for, any, for any Americans listening, that doesn't mean angry. Yeah, it's just a wonderful description. Maybe, maybe it was lost in translation when they tried to read it. <laughs> wonderful. Why, why was he upset? <laughs> Monank Patel was the other one. Monank Patel and Nisar Patel also. He had little regards for the team's culture by joining others on the piss the day before the game. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Nisar actually made 38 or 52 balls. Yeah, there you go. No slouch. No slouch at all. But yeah, it appears that this wasn't the first time this has happened. I think Taylor um, previously had an alcohol-related incident. He was stripped to the captaincy in 2013 for a night of drinking. <laughs> Unknown offender. In Canada. So it, it seems like this is the kind of thing that has happened uh, on more than one occasion. Naughty boy. We need to talk about Stephen, don't we? Yeah, well. Very Andrew Simons, isn't it? I mean, I guess, like we said earlier, you know, role models are important. I think for a future podcast, we should have a look at, you know, sort of top... Role models? Top five <laughs> you know, sort of openly boozy cricketers that still manage relative success. I think there's a, there's a list in there somewhere. Yeah, Ian Botham's there, yeah. Top cricket drinking moments. I mean, <laughs> I think Herschel Gibbs, didn't he turn up when he scored that ridiculous innings when South Africa chased down 434? I mean, wasn't he drunk during that? Uh, I seem to. Really? I think in his autobiography, yeah, he said he'd been out all night. Okay. And turned up, you know, he'd been on the lash. Wasn't there a pedlow incident in the West Indies with Flintoff? Yeah, Freddie Flintoff yeah, Freddie yeah. Flintoff. Yeah. Flintoff. That's a great one, actually. I mean, I, we've all been there. I mean, honestly, that's that's <laughs> that's a <laughs> yeah. great one. 
pedalo, 3 a.m. pedalo. As you do, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 as you do. I mean, wonderful. In the Caribbean, you're on, you're on holiday, right? Wonderful stuff. And then, of course, Andrew Simons. Was, wasn't there a wheelie bin involved? Was that Andrew Simons? He, yeah, he's, he's had a few. He's had a repeat offences we can talk through on that episode. He fought with a wheelie bin. He got into a wheelie <laughs> bin. Some, something like that happened, I seem to recall. I think he turned up to a game against Zimbabwe and he hadn't slept at all. Um, and he was doing fielding practice and John Buchanan was hitting balls and he just didn't catch anything. Yes, I do recall that. Um, but I do recall there's some sort of wheelie bin incident. It may not have been Andrew Simons. It may have been, may have been another player. Who knows? Yeah, it could have been him. Maybe, maybe I'm just confusing them all with Ashley Giles. Who knows? <laughs> King of Spain. Yeah, King of Spain. All right. That's a lot. And, uh, and we managed to get through it all in 40 minutes. Do we have any... Exhaustive. Know, exhaustive. Anything else? Any quotes or any other Muppets we want to bring up? I do, there's a few quotes I saw going around. I do have a quote, actually. You mentioned Marnus Labuschagne earlier. I think I was just... He's had a really great sort of 12 months, I guess. I was just having a look around about him. There's a nice little quote here. It's annoying. I haven't written who it's by, but it's nice. He said, he comes off the plane. He had red and green horizontal striped shorts like the Grinch, and he had odd socks on. His phone was all cracked, and his iPad was all cracked, and he looked like he'd literally got out of bed. I said, mate, is that the way you travel? And he says to me, well, I'm just coming to see you, aren't I? And I said, well, what if I had the CEO of Cricket New South Wales with me? And he goes, yeah, but you haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was just some batting coach, wasn't it? I think he was going to meet a batting coach. I'm not sure who it was, though, yeah. Yeah, excellent. Got a good one here from Mumbai batsman Sarfaraz Khan, uh, who recently made a triple century in the Ranji Trophy, I think. I think may have just become the third Mumbai batsman to score a triple century. Anyway, he said, all my teammates used to call me Panda because I used to eat a lot. Oh, God. Now they've started calling me Macho. I've not seen any of his teammates confirm this. Um, he has lost a lot of weight, but... Uh, yeah. If he said that in Australia, you'd get beaten up. Yeah, I just thought... Uh, by the rest of the team. Thought, yeah, well, you know, Australia, it's for real men. <laughs> real... <laughs> yeah. None of the... Calling yourself macho. Yeah, well, he... Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's not the kind of thing you come out on the record with, is it? But anyway, well done to Sadfaraz Khan for losing all that weight, getting into shape. He's a very talented batsman. Um... It's great sledging material, isn't it, to give to your position? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring out some bamboo shoots. Because, um, you know, pandas don't really eat. I mean, they do eat a lot, but, yeah, it's all bamboo, isn't it? I did come across a, a really weird quote a couple of weeks ago. I, I remembered it just now. Robin Williams, of course, rest in peace, said, cricket is basically baseball on Valium. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I have no comment on that one. <laughs> Um, on that note. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a good one. So thank you all. Thank you, Darren, very much. Thank you, Toby. Hope you guys uh, survive and thrive uh, amidst this uh, virus-induced slowdown that we're kind of living through. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back sooner, I think. It won't be such a long gap between now and our next podcast. 